I want to wish happy Mother's Day to all the moms here today and to just say God bless you and we're so honored that you would take a moment out of your day to come and celebrate uh, with us today at Destiny Church. I do want to say a little bit about moms and mothers here today and uh, also to just pray a prayer of blessing over all the moms as well. You know, mothers are really a gift from God. How many of you would agree with that and say that mothers are a gift from God? Amen. And for all of us, our mothers hold a very special place in our hearts. And we're very blessed as a church to be filled with, with great mothers in this church. Can we just give all the moms a big hand this morning? We got some awesome moms in this church. You know, you think about your mother and uh, the way that she poured into your life and it, each and every day, and it's like, man, where would we be without our moms and, and their guidance? I mean, I just think, where would I be if I only had my dad? I would have been in big time trouble. I would have been on the street naked and, and without clothes and starving to death. That would have been what would have happened to me, probably without my mom, because my dad, God bless him, uh, he was a lot of things, but nurturing and caring and, and was not really one of them. And so I thank the Lord for my mom. And so I, I, all the moms here today, we just honor you and, and we praise God for you. Uh, you uh, show us through your sacrifice and service an example of God and his love uh, motherhood is something that is, is a beautiful thing. Uh, it's not something that I really understand completely um, as a man, uh, but it is a beautiful thing to watch and to behold. Uh, last night, um, we were eating dinner as a family, and I've got four children, and our youngest, Charity, who is one, uh, she's decided that when she's done eating dinner, the way she tells everyone is she throws her plate of food on the floor. That's what she does. And um, as someone who uh, does not enjoy cleaning up plates of food off the floor, I've taken it upon you know, my shoulders to bring correction to her. And so I verbally instructed her with a dad voice, Charity, we do not throw our food on the floor. At which point, you know, she, she's a very tender-hearted little soul. And when you talk to her in the dad voice, her, her little bottom lip uh, basically goes like 10 feet out. I mean, it's just whimpering and qu just trying to hold it all together, you know. And Heather, upon seeing that, she turns to me and goes, it just breaks my little heart. And I've said... What? <laughs> okay. Because it's not doing anything for me. I mean, Heather's like visibly emotional about watching Charity's little pout thing. And I thought, I'm a, maybe I'm the tin man from the Wizard of Oz. Like, because this is just not even moving my needle. So motherhood is a beautiful thing to behold. And uh, we just honor the moms today. Your unconditional and sacrificial love is just a picture of God's love for us, and it demonstrates us 
the love of God every day. Um, I've got a couple of mothers in my life still, and my grandmother, Josie Hale, I don't know if Josie Hale is with us today, my grandmother, but I just want to honor her today. My mom's mom uh, is just an awesome woman of God, and she's been such a blessing in my life. Also, my mother-in-law, Angie Pittman. Is Angie here today? Angie, honor you, love you. Gave me the greatest gift of my life, Heather Bell. And I also want to honor Heather, an awesome mother as well. Just an awesome mom. You know, mother, motherhood is, the, the job of a mother is so important. And um, it's really not a job. It's much more than a job. A job is something you do for compensation. And all the moms can laugh at that idea that motherhood is a job because you know that you are not compensated well for what you do as a mother. Uh, a job is something you do to be compensated. Motherhood is really a calling from God. It is a calling from God. And a calling is something you do whether you're compensated or not. And what motherhood is, this calling from God, you know, when, when you have a job, you, you work for someone. But when you have a calling, you do that work as unto the Lord. And so I just want to encourage all the moms here today, when you are mothering and when you are serving your family and your children, it's not them that you're serving. You're serving the Lord. You do it as unto the Lord because he's the one who called you to be a mother. And so you're not serving your children because Lord knows they do not deserve it. <laughs> you're serving the Lord as you share and mother uh, the children that God has given you and as you serve them. I also want to honor my mom, Jody Bell. I brought a picture of me and my mom this morning. And uh, Jody, uh, yeah, let's give her a hand this morning. Many of you knew her. Uh, my mom went home to be with the Lord this past July, and so this is our first Mother's Day uh, without her. And so I now can, can relate to everyone who talks about how Mother's Day can be a difficult day. Uh, and certainly there's a little bit of a sting to it, but I, I really am choosing today to just remember the, the wonderful things about my mother. And, you know, the Bible talks about that death is swallowed up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and so while she's not here with us today, and we certainly miss her, there's coming a day very soon where we will spend eternity together with her. I believe that with all of my heart. And so today is not a sad day. It's a day where we, we remember my mom. Yeah, I miss my mom. But she was a Christian. She had put her faith in Jesus Christ. She's with the Lord right now in his presence. And this is not something that, that I just say or we say to, to help us cope. This is a reality that we live in, that we who are in Christ will share eternity together uh, with the ones that we loved who also were in Christ and eternity together with the Lord Jesus. And that's something to remember and that's something to celebrate. This picture of me and my mother uh, was taken on uh, J July the 26th, 1981. 
I was born July the 23rd, 1981, and some of you will recognize where this picture was taken. It was taken up in our chapel building right up the hill there. And this is my mom taking me to church when I was three days old, three days old. And so I, I just want to honor my mom as someone who raised me and my four brothers in the house of God, in the house of God. Amen. That, you know, that, that her, her bringing me to church as a three day year old, a three day old infant um, is not something she had to do. That's, I, nobody forced her to do that. Certainly she could have said, you know what? I'm taking this Sunday off. I just had a baby. But she, she saw the value of and the importance of raising her children in the house of God, and she made great sacrifices to do that. Uh, you know, my father was in ministry, and uh, when, when your dad is in ministry, um, the mom is really a single mom on Sundays and Wednesdays. You know, my dad did not help at all getting us to church because he was here ministering and getting ready, getting the church ready to, to, to minister to the people. So my mom was a single mom on Sunday mornings and she got all five of us here to church most of the time on time, uh, put some kind of breakfast in our stomach and we did not cooperate. And so it was five on one, but she was an amazing woman and she, she did it and week in and week out. Uh, I, I honor her for that and for that sacrifice and for her vision and her, her, her understanding of, of the importance of, of having her children be raised in the house of God. There's one little story I want to share with you of, of uh, my mom, and I hope it encourages all the moms here today. And uh, then I want to pray for all the moms as well. Uh, but when I was about nine or ten years old, um, we, me and my brothers had started watching this TV show, it was a cartoon for kids, that uh, was just kind of raunchy and uh, nasty, and, and the, the characters had really bad attitudes, and, and so my parents had decided, you know what, when our kids watch this show, they turn into the little characters on the show and behave like little devils, so we're, we're not going to let them watch the show, it's not good for them, and so they had said, we're not watching this show anymore as a family, and so as the wonderful children that we were, we did not obey them. And so a couple times there was these arguments back and forth, nine and 10, and um, kind of sneaking into the back room to watch the show and stuff like that. It wasn't evil, it just, it wasn't good, it wasn't wholesome. And so one Sunday night during church, I remember we were sitting up in the chapel, I was with my mom, um, I don't remember what was happening on the stage. Someone was doing some announcements or something. And my mom opened up her Bible, and she put it on my lap. And, and she had opened it to Philippians chapter 4, and she asked me to read Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I didn't know where she was going. I, I just said, okay. And so it says this, Philippians 4, verse 8. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. 
And so there with her Bible on my lap, she began to ask me. She said, this show that you're wanting to watch, is it honorable? No, no, it's not. Mom, is it just? No. Is it pure? No. And she walked down the list. Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is it excellent? Is it worthy of praise? And no, 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 it's none of these things, Mom. And she said, look, son, the, the, the Bible instructs us that we should be focusing and thinking on those things. And the show that you're wanting to watch, it's none of those things. And so that's why me and your father have, have decided that this isn't good and wholesome for, for us as a family. And I remember sitting there and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my 10-year-old heart of, oh my goodness, this is, this is not good for me. It's not just about my mom and dad, they don't know, blah, blah, blah. God really used that moment with my mom and her Bible open on my lap to do a work in my heart and my life. And then my mom led me in a prayer of, of, of helping to do, help God, asking God to help me do the right thing. And I, I, I've never forgotten that moment. And I, and I wish I could say I, I got up from that service Sunday night and I was a perfect son from then on out. And of course we know that wasn't true. Um, but to this day, I remember nine or 10 years old that, that my mom used, her, used the word of God to instruct me in the ways of God and that God used her uh, to do a work in my life. And so, moms, that's what I want to encourage you with today is you are, are, are positioned by God uh, to, to be used by God to accomplish his work in the lives of your children. That God wants to work through you, not, not just it's something that you do, but it's, it's allowing God to work through you and for him to do the work in their hearts and in their lives. And I just want to encourage you moms to, to lean into those moments. There's lots of times where being a parent is very frustrating and chaotic and crazy. But there's these little moments here or there that will stick and they will stay with your children because it's not you uh, ministering to them. It's really the Lord ministering through you. And when that happens, there's transformation that happens in, in people's hearts and in people's lives. And so, moms, I want to encourage you with that today. And I just want to encourage you that I think you're doing a great job. I think you're doing a great job. Let's give all the moms a big hand here today. There's a lot of pressure because we live in a social media age of, of comparing ourselves and our lives to everybody else's lives. And Man, that's just a bunch of falsehood and, and that anybody's life is perfect and that you don't measure up as a mother. And that's just lies from the enemy. And so I, I just, I, I want to encourage you ladies and moms that uh, as you lean into what the Lord wants to do in, in your life and you lean into in those moments where the Lord gives you opportunity to pray for your children, to shepherd their hearts and to share his word, you don't have to preach a sermon, uh, but as you do, um, God's going to honor that, and he'll take that, and he'll multiply it in their lives, and he'll cause it to grow and to bear fruit uh, for many people uh, for generations to come. So I want to pray for all the moms here today, and uh, we'll conclude this part of our service with this. So Father, we thank you for mothers, and we thank you 
Lord, for our mothers in our lives and, and the blessing, Lord, uh, that my mother has been in my life and, and to so many others. And Lord, for all the moms here today, I can't, I can't really even imagine what kind of a job that it is, what kind of a task that it is. But Lord, I know that it's a calling from you. And so, Lord, we know that where you call people, you also anoint them by your spirit and, and give them the ability, Lord, to, to do in your power what we can't do in our own strength and in our own power. Lord, for all the moms here today, I pray that you would encourage their heart, Lord, that you would strengthen them for the, the, the task that you've laid before them. And Lord, that you would cause them to be fruitful in carrying out your work and what you have for each uh, one of the children, Lord, that they are a mother to. Lord, we just speak blessing over them today. We ask that you would bless them in their loving and serving and their giving. I thank you that they are an example to us of your love and of your service. And we just bless them today and we honor them today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give the moms one more big hand this morning. I want to ask you, uh, oh, we also have David Tehran uh, here today from David Tehran Photography, who will make a beautiful family portrait of you and your children, or you and your mom, and you and whoever else you want a picture of today. You can go out after the service and see David, and then we'll post all of the pictures on our church Facebook, and so you can get on our Facebook later um, today or tomorrow and grab those pictures and... Uh, It'll be a nice keepsake for you and for your family for years to come. So uh, this morning, we're going to continue our series of parables and looking at uh, the parables of Jesus and these messages that he gave, these sermons that he gave that he would teach. And this morning in our parable, um, we're in Matthew chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to look at Jesus is going to teach on one of the most difficult parts of the Christian life. One of the most difficult things to do as a Christian. But it's something that we are commanded by God to do. All of us who are in here today, what we're going to talk about today, it's something that we have to do, that God has commanded us to do. It's not a suggestion or a tip or a trick or uh, maybe a life hack. No, this is just something you have to be doing according to God. And it's something that should be a regular part of our lives, something that we might even have to walk in daily. And it's something that's never easy to do. It's never easy to do. And what we're going to look at today, this parable that Jesus is going to teach us on, is on forgiving others. Forgiving others. How many of you would say, if you're being honest, that there have been times in your life where someone has done something or said something against you, and, and it, has, it has been difficult to walk in forgiveness towards that person or that individual? Amen. If we're being honest, this is something that is not easy to do. It's something that is, is actually, uh, actually can be quite difficult. 
And it, because of that, uh, we, we know that you and me, if we're not careful, that we can harbor unforgiveness in our heart and in our life. And that that can go undetected many times for seasons. It can go undetected even for years. But that from it can flow anger and bitterness and resentment and, and reliving the pain of the offense over and over and over again. But what I want you to know today is that if you struggle with unforgiveness, there's hope for you. If you struggle, struggle in forgiving others, there's hope for you today. You do not have to continue to live with unforgiveness in your heart and in your life. You don't have to live with bitterness and anger and resentment and constantly reliving the hurts and the pains of the past. Jesus, in this parable, he gives us the key to being set free from all of those things. He gives us the key to walking in healing and the pathway to forgiveness and being set free from all of that baggage and all of that junk. And the key is found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And so let's read it together. Uh, Matthew chapter one, uh, 18, 20, verse 21 says, Then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? What you need to know is that in Peter's day, what the, the Bible teachers of his day taught was that if you forgive someone three times, that when they sinned against you the fourth time, you didn't have to forgive them anymore. That was the common teaching of the day. You need to forgive someone up to three times, but after the fourth time, you don't have to forgive anymore. And so here we see Peter, he's actually being quite noble. He actually more than doubles what the rabbis of his day were teaching. He comes and says, hey, Jesus, up to seven times? That's pretty good, right, Jesus? They're saying three times, and I just thought we'd do, you know, times two plus one. Seven times, Jesus. Look how forgiving and noble I am. But Jesus turns to him and says, not seven times. I do not say seven times, but 70 times seven. Jesus says, it's not just seven times. It's a number that you really can't even keep track of throughout a day. 490 times, Jesus says, in one day that you would have to forgive someone. Now, Jesus is not saying that you should keep track of the offenses and that if someone sins against you 491 times, then that's it. We're good to go. You don't have to forgive. No, Jesus is using hyperbole to say you always have to forgive. Always. Whether it's one time, two times, three times, ten times, 70 times, seven plus one, you have to walk in forgiveness every day. You must forgive. 
He's saying, do not keep a list. Do not keep score. Do not keep a a record of wrong that people have done against you. You must walk in forgiveness. And then he teaches this parable to underscore his point. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him, one of his servants, who owed him 10,000 talents. This unit of measure, if we calculated it in our own money, would be $6 billion. Yes, thank you. Six billion dollars. That is a lot of cheddar. That is a lot of money. Jesus is is basically saying that he owed the king an incalculable debt. A debt that really could not even be kept track of or, or calculated. I don't know what kind of calculation system they were using in Jesus' day. It was like probably an abacus and then some like parchment paper. Could you, how could you even keep track of six billion of something without a computer, right? I mean, Jesus is saying this is an incalculable debt, a debt beyond measure that this man owes the king. And so this, this king calls this servant in before him. And it says in verse 25, since he could not pay his master... His master ordered him to be sold into slavery with his wife and his children and all that he had and that payment would be made. He says, you can't pay me back. I've I've given you so much time. You'll never be able to pay me back. We're just going to settle this right now. I'm going to sell you, your family, into slavery. You'll work the rest of your life to pay off this debt you never will finish. I'm going to sell every possession that you have, and you will be a slave for the rest of your life. This is what is owed me, the king says. Upon hearing this, it says, the servant fell on his knees, begging him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. What an act of grace and charity and mercy this king did for this servant. I don't know what this servant did to to accumulate this debt. He had nothing to show for it. The king looks at him and has mercy and says, I forgive you. I forgive your debt. Now, if that were me, I think I would go out into the streets and and celebrate and, and praise the king and proclaim his goodness and his mercy and his grace and what a charitable king we have and look at what he's done, how he's forgiven my debt. But let's look at what this servant did. It says that afterwards the servant went out, verse 28, And he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred 
denarii. A hundred denarii was about $12,000. So it's a considerable amount of money, $12,000. But compared to the debt that he had been forgiven, it's less than 0.001%. And so he goes down into the street and he finds this guy who owes him some money and he seizes him. He begins to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Verse 30 says that he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the king summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant? as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Verse 35, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Here is the key point. Here is the key, the big idea, the the key that will set us free from walking and living with unforgiveness in our hearts, the key is I must realize what I have been forgiven. I have, to, I have to understand the debt that I owed, the sin that I committed that has been forgiven of me. This is the key, and if you will get this, if you will understand this, if you will meditate on this, your ability to forgive others, it flows out of the realization of how much God has forgiven you. I'll say that again. Your ability to forgive others, it flows out of the revelation of how much God has forgiven you. Jesus is saying that when we refuse to forgive others of whatever wrong has been committed against us, that we are acting like this unmerciful servant. Paul stresses this point in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. He says, to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That our forgiving of others flows out of, is based on, is rooted in the fact, the reality that we have been forgiven of our sins by God. Forgiveness, listen to this, you need to understand this. 
Forgiveness is not based on what has been done to you. Forgiveness is rooted in what Christ has done for you. It's not about measuring the scales of, well, they did this to me, and and it's so bad, and it was so wrong, and and how could they have, and I I can never let that go, and saying they've never paid back the debt, they they haven't loved me enough, they haven't told me they're sorry enough, The, the, the scale hasn't been tilted yet, it's not about what was done to you, it's about what Jesus Christ has done for you. And that, when you place it over here, it outweighs everything. It overshadows everything. It's so much greater than any small thing that could be done against you or any big thing or any sin that has been committed against you is that we have had our sins forgiven by God. A debt that we could not pay back. We could work for all of our lives and for all of eternity and never pay the debt that we owe. And so God sent his son, Jesus, who paid the debt for us. Our sin debt paid in full by Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus gave his life to purchase back our lives. Amen. Amen. The debt that we owed has been paid. And it is so much greater than any debt that someone has incurred by sinning against us. It is so much greater. What, what we, we've come out, what we receive from Christ, we've come out so far ahead of, of where we were, that, that to, to, to quibble with, with someone over, over what they've done for us. It's like that servant who was forgiven that debt and went out and found someone who owed him just a little bit of money. Unforgiveness, when you harbor it in your heart, it blinds you to the reality of what we have in Christ. The, the grace that you've received, the mercy that you've received, And what Jesus is saying is that forgiveness is not just something you must receive. Forgiveness is something you must also give. You must forgive others. Christians should be the most forgiving people on planet Earth. Period. Thank you. We cannot keep a list of the wrongs that have been done against us. Imagine if God did that for you. Yeah, right. Oh. How long would that list be? Incalculable. How long would that list be if he only started this morning? But God does not count our sins against us. He has forgiven us. Jesus paid the price. For our salvation, we, having received forgiveness, must also give forgiveness. Choosing not to hold grudges, love does not allow it. 
Love does not allow the holding of grudges, and we are commanded to love. Forgiveness is not something that only flows to us. Forgiveness is something that must also flow through us. We forgive in light of the forgiveness we've received. And so when I choose to walk in unforgiveness, having been commanded by my Lord to forgive, I am now sinning. If I do not forgive, I am sinning. And when I sin, what happens is I don't lose my salvation. Every time I sin, I don't have to come down to the altar and ask God to save me again. I I believe in a a secure salvation. Um, But it's like this example. When I sin against my wife, I'm still married, but there is a break in relationship and a break in fellowship until I repent and ask for forgiveness and, and there's restoration there. And so if you are walking in unforgiveness, you are sinning, and because of that, there is a break in your fellowship and relationship with God. And let me tell you something. No one is worth that. No one. And what they've done against you is worth you having a break in your fellowship and relationship with God. And so if you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart or you have the first step, and I'll give you a couple steps today, the first step to walking in forgiveness is to repent of your unforgiveness. To come before the Lord and to humble yourself and to say, Lord, I have broken your commands. I repent of the unforgiveness in my heart. That's step one. Nobody is worth it. Nobody is worth you having fellowship broken between God. It it, it doesn't even make sense. And so when you choose to do that, it's disobedience. It causes a break in fellowship. And sometimes this walking in forgiveness, it'll be a daily thing. I've, I've been in situations where I've daily had to walk in forgiveness. The second thing you need to know is that forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a decision that you make. It's a decision that you make against what you feel. If it was easy, Jesus wouldn't have to tell you to do it. You notice there's no commands in the Bible for things that are easy. There's no commands like breathe air or eat food or have fun. Like, no, like, you don't need to be told to do that. It's a command because it's not easy to do. We have to put it into practice in our lives. The second thing you need to do after you repent of your unforgiving heart is you have in prayer, you go to God in gratitude for his forgiveness of you. Lord, thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins and also forgiving me of my unforgiving heart. Gratitude. And and you begin to allow God's grace and mercy to well up within you as you reflect on how God has forgiven you in Christ. 
in prayer. The third thing you also need to do is you need to ask God for help. God, help me to forgive this person. Lord, this is not something I can do in my flesh, but out of the new nature, I'm alive in Christ. I am born again. You've given me your spirit. Lord, I can, through the power of your spirit, with your help, forgive them. The next point, I don't even know what point I'm on anymore, (laughs) is you speak it out verbally. Today, I choose to forgive so-and-so. I forgive this person. You you speak it out. It's like when David said that, you know, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. It's... It's this speaking out, this declaring forth where, where you're, you, you align your, your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions with the Holy Spirit and how he's bringing conviction and direction into your life. You speak it out. Today I'm choosing to forgive so-and-so. And then finally, what you need to do is you need to begin to pray for the person who wronged you. Pray for the person who sinned against you. Pray for the person who offended you. Pray for the person who did you wrong, who stabbed you in the back, who said that they would be there, who who broke their commitments, who broke their vows. Pray for that person. Don't pray that God would crush them and destroy them and rain down fire from heaven upon them and that they would get fired and have a car accident. Don't pray that. Pray that God would bless them and prosper them. The Bible says that uh, you can't get from the same well both bitter water and sweet water in the same way both blessing and cursing can't come out of your mouth. And, And so when you will begin to, in response to what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter five, Pray for those who speak evil against you. Pray for those who sin against you. Pray for those who use you and, and who, who, who manipulate you. Pray for them, Jesus says. When you begin to do that, it's very difficult to harbor unforgiveness in your heart when you're praying that God would bless someone. And if you will do those things, if you will humble yourself and you will repent for your unforgiveness, if you will reflect on the grace and the mercy of God and the forgiveness that you have received, if you will speak out forgiveness towards them and you will pray over them blessing, God will set you free. You will be set free from unforgiveness. You will walk in forgiveness. And sometimes this, like I said, is a daily thing. I've, I've had things, I've been through things in my life where I've been hurt deeply. And I've had to daily, sometimes multiple times a day, say, emotions, you have to get in line with what the word of God says. And I'm choosing to walk in forgiveness today. And so you, you, you it's a spiritual thing. You have to understand that. And, and when you invite the Holy Spirit in to, to, to work in that area, you're not doing it in your own power and your own strength anymore. And when you do it in obedience to God's word, he will bless it and he will cause you to be able, he will give you the power to do it, to let go of the offense and to move on into forgiveness. 
You know, we, we tend to think of our relationship with God as one thing and our relationship with others as another thing. But God, in, in this passage where he says, if, if you don't forgive others of their sin, he won't forgive you of your sin. That's a, that's a pretty huge statement right there. Do you feel the weight of that statement? And, and what it is saying there is that those who have been forgiven truly are people who extend forgiveness. Those who have experienced the, the forgiveness of God, who, who really understand it, are able to forgive others. If you, uh, let, me, let me just encourage you, if you struggle with unforgiveness, man, you, you really need to, to examine your relationship with God and, and to reflect again upon his goodness and reflect again upon his grace and reflect again upon what he has forgiven you of. And when you will do that, this is the key to walking in forgiveness. You know, I've, I've experienced both the freedom of forgiveness and walking in that, and also the, the bondage that comes from harboring unforgiveness in my life. Unforgiveness is a prison cell. Unforgiveness is a jail. Unforgiveness is something that shackles you to your past and the hurts of your past. It's, it's chains that keep you in bondage to that sin. And when you refuse to forgive, it's not others that you're placing in bondage. It's yourself. You know, sometimes we think, well, if I forgive them, I'm, I'm letting them off the hook for what they did to me. No, you're letting yourself off the hook. You're, 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 you're setting yourself free. You're, you're taking that key of forgiveness and you're unlocking the chains that keep you shackled to the pain, to the hurts, to the bitterness. It will keep you in that. And, and we think we're holding them hostage, but really we've tied ourselves up and we're holding ourselves hostage. And so again, the key that Jesus gives us is that we forgive others in light of the forgiveness that we've received. It's like God has deposited that six billion dollars into our account and so now with that in our account we can go and say I forgive you of that twenty dollars I forgive you of that thirty dollars I forgive you of that ten thousand dollars I forgive you of that hundred thousand dollar offense I forgive you of that ten million dollar offense because I receive grace upon grace every single day it is a limitless source of forgiveness that I receive, that God continuously deposits into my account. A supply that never runs out. Have you ever gone to God and asked for forgiveness and got a non-sufficient funds? <laughs> Denied? No. It is a limitless supply from the eternal God, constantly deposited into our account as his children and so now with access to the resources of heaven I can extend forgiveness to anyone and everyone for what they owe me does that make sense to you today 
So who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive today? Think about it. Who do you need? Is there somebody in your life that you've been harboring unforgiveness against? Choose today to walk in forgiveness. Choose today to take the key of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and unlock the shackles that are holding you to your past and to walk out and to say, I am choosing to forgive today. I'm choosing to walk in forgiveness today. I am no longer going to allow what this person did to define me and to limit my life and to limit what God wants to do in my life. The Bible says that for those who are in Christ, there's no more condemnation, that our old life is gone. And, and so what God wants to do with you in your life, you're not shackled to the past. You're not shackled to the chain, the, to the sin, to the things that you've done or the things that have been done to you. You have a clean slate in Christ. Amen. And a sure foundation to build your life on. And so I want to encourage you today, as, as we conclude here by praying, that you take away this key, this key that Jesus said is, is with the knowledge of God's grace and God's forgiveness and, and our debt that we owe, that has been forgiven. Take this key and go and be the most forgiving person that you know. Choose to be the most forgiving person that you know. Choose to be offense-proof. Choose to, to be someone who, who, who is quick to extend forgiveness. Choose to be someone who, when someone says something that's just a little weird, you don't say, hmm, I wonder what they meant by that. Hmm. Oh, they probably meant this and this and this and hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to stew on this for a while. No, 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 no. Choose to be a person that's so forgiving, that's so transformed by the grace of God that you go through life and offenses come and it's just like Teflon. It, it just, it can't even stick to you. It's like, I'm not paying attention to that. I'm not listening to that. Yeah, that person said that thing to me and it was kind of weird, but I say weird things all the time and I'm sure, sure it was just that. And so I'm moving forward. I'm, I'm not gonna get distracted because God's got something for me to do today and I'm gonna fulfill my kingdom purpose. Amen.